Hi, my name's Lou, and today I'm going to be reading the internet for you. Why? Well, why not? And today's what is a dip into the well-trafficked pages of the forum known as RPG.net. Now, RPG.net is a forum for people who are into role-playing games. So there's a lot of role-playing games out there, and people like to come to this to sort of discuss new strategies and talk their campaigns and talk about how they roll their characters and all that stuff. This is uh, a place for the traditional role-playing games. Of course, the most famous one being the Dungeons and the Dragons. But uh, there's all kinds of other role-playing games, and this is a forum where people come to talk about them. Um, and so, I'm going to be reading from a thread at the RPG.net forums in the RPG.net role-playing subforum Tabletop Role-Playing Open in a thread story by Squeaky, which is called Brackets Necro, Creepiest Person You've Ever Gamed With Part 2. And this is a... I guess this is a thread from 2007, and I have to, and I will start with this disclaimer that this thread starts with an OP that is very long. So stick with me, because this is a long story. And before I get started, I also want to mention that um, if you follow the Facebook page and or the Tumblr, I've been posting a lot of pictures of the drawings I draw on the envelopes when people request magnets. Now some people were like, "Wow, what are these magnets that you send out?" And it's true. If you listened all the way through the end of the podcast, you would know that I give away magnets for Lou Reads the Internet for you. If you would like a magnet, please send a request to loureads at gmail.com. And then sometimes, most of the time, I draw a ridiculous drawing on the back. Um, and I just started recently sharing those drawings on Facebook. And I have yet to get any of those drawings confiscated by the mail for obscenity, which says something about the state of the post office today. Anyway, let's get right into this thread at rpg.net entitled brackets necro creepiest person you ever gamed with part do started by registered user validated user squeaky december 14th 2007 and it goes like this i see that the other creepiest gamer thread is now closed which makes me immensely sad i was just turned on to that thread recently and started writing up my own story just in time to have the thread closed now that i've finished it i hope somebody else hasn't already restarted this thread i searched but couldn't find it because the thing is i've just got to put this down now that it's done the world needs to know this turned out rather long and man i didn't even get through half the creepy i've broken it into a few parts to make it easier on the eyes posts from the other side the gm's wife Part 1, Dating the Creepiest Gamer Ever. Part 2, Marrying the Creepiest Gamer Ever. Part 3, Divorcing the Creepiest Gamer Ever. Dating the Creepiest Gamer Ever. The creepiest gamer I ever met was my ex-husband. There is so much creepy overflowing in that withered little man, but I will try to limit it to game-related or we could be here for a very long time. Let's call him Jake. Jake and I were high school sweethearts. At first, he actively hid his role-playing from me. Then, after I found some of his books, he briefly explained what role-playing was. He started telling me about his campaigns and characters, at first keeping it vague and only bringing it up during related conversations. Slowly and inexorably, every conversation started to turn to role-playing. During pillow talk, long walks, midnight phone calls, he would rush through the bare minimum of non-role-playing related discussions so we could get back to the important stuff, wizards and whether they had bagged the goddess Isis yet. I had assumed that when he told me about his campaigns, he was describing things he had done with his friends. One day he admitted to me that he hadn't played in a campaign with other people in years. Brackets, quote-unquote, not since I thought D&D was cool, he'd scoff. But he made campaigns to play by himself, 
constantly. Not just brainstorming, not just rolling up characters, not imagining storylines. He was actually creating a full contingent of players, NPCs, settings, and storylines, and then playing them all by himself for months on end. He wouldn't sleep, he wouldn't eat, he would just roll, 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 and then come over to my house in the middle of the night, stand outside my window while I was sleeping, and manically describe the battle his warriors had just had. He joked his one-man campaigns were like what they say about alcoholics and drinking alone. It was funny until I found all the places he was stashing his role-playing books. How many crevices of his life were filled with character sheets. He even stuffed them into my backpack, just in case. I was actually pretty interested in role-playing, but every time I showed the barest glimmer of enjoyment, he would keep me up all night forcing me to make characters like I was some RPG sweatshop. Did it matter that I had to work or go to school in the morning? No, I had to stay up and register on his role-playing forums so I could read his posts about role-playing, or I really couldn't understand the full flavor of it. I'd tell him I was getting burned out and he would back off for maybe a day or two, but once he had proposed marriage and figured I was good and stuck with him, he would hit me with, quote-unquote, well, you tell me about your day all the time and I don't care about that, but I listen because I'm not a bitch. Once we had reached this point in our relationship, we no longer did things together. Instead, I would come over to his house, watch him roll up characters, eventually I would fall asleep and he would wake me up to yell about how I rude I was. <laughs> he would wake me up to yell about how rude I was being, coming over to his house just to fall asleep. So I tried to stay awake, talk to him, maybe even pitch some character ideas, but in the middle of my sentences, he would leave the room and go read a role-playing book somewhere else. When I found him and asked why he'd left while I was talking, he'd say I was always chattering at him while he was obviously trying to work. Jake exclusively played games from the most rule-heavy, fan-based, screwing, complicated, nonsensical company out there. Brackets, name omitting, because I know how rapidly Jake Googles any mention of his favorite company. For many years, I thought that was the only gaming system available, which served to crush most of my blossoming love for role-playing. There were times when he'd drag me out to a gaming store and I'd pick up a handbook that looked interesting, only to have him snatch it away and go on a long diatribe about how that wasn't a real role-playing game and people who liked it were simple-minded and boring because they didn't understand what role-playing was all about. Now... If you want a real role-playing book, you should buy this one for me. Because of the complexity of the rules and Jake's insistence that I also utilize the dozens of tables he had created for his own personal use, I was unable for about a year to make a character on my own without his assistance. If I managed to get through all the stats but couldn't handle equipment, Jake would pat me on the head, tell me I'd for sure get it next time, then hand me a character he had made for his lonesome one-man campaign. Did I want to give him a special power? Too bad, it doesn't work with the plot. Maybe they have a mysterious figure from the past. Oh no, definitely not. I've already figured out who his father is, and it's a secret, and I can't tell you, but man, it's such an awesome plot twist, you're going to love it. Despite all this, I somehow managed to enjoy role-playing in concept, if not in practice. And after about a year of directed study, I managed to put together a few characters on my own, come up with my own detailed backstory, and a framework for a basic campaign I had hidden from Jake, because I wanted it to be a surprise. When I finally showed it to him, he spent a few silent moments looking it over, then told me... <laughs> Then told me my ideas were really amateur and obviously I didn't understand the concept or the rules or how to run a game that I was more or less just scribbling on paper, but it was cute that I tried. If I wanted to try making a real character though, he had an idea he thought I would just love and if I wanted to work on a real campaign, I could copy edit his 30 page manifesto and his additional 10 page outline and timeline for an alternate universe. In fact, I did copy edit it and even offered to write up some fiction interludes which would give it enough meat to be its own role-playing book. Jake was very excited about the idea until I pitched him the story I'd come up with to illustrate one of his character concepts. He dismissed it as having too much quote-unquote emotional stuff going on. Brackets, the character discovered her powers and pondered if it was moral to use them. You couldn't even tell what her stats were, he said. No one's going to read that. After a while, Jake started running campaigns with real people, brackets, so to speak, and I was always dragged along, still determined to like role-playing despite him. His group was a collection of autistics, bunchkins, and generally maladjusted misogynists who session after session could not fail to say, quote-unquote, 
why is she here? Or, quote unquote, show us your tits, her, her, in rapid succession. Rather than defend me, Jake would demand I sit near him so he could continually grope me throughout the conversation. When I told him I didn't appreciate him groping me when I'd asked him not to, he'd ask me why we were dating if he didn't get to grope me whenever he wanted. Or my personal favorite, he'd say he needed to do it so everyone else knew he was a, quote unquote, king geek. After some time, I begged off the gaming session, saying I was happy to hear him talk about role-playing, happy to read his books, happy to help him make campaigns and characters. I just didn't feel like playing anymore. We fought for hours while he called me lazy, boring, stupid, antisocial, neurotic, crazy, a quitter, etc. The arguments were nonstop. He would wake me up in the middle of the night just to tell me some zinger he had thought up about why my not role-playing was comparable to refusing to give him sex. I finally gave in and kept role-playing until, well, until I left him. No matter where he was, what he was doing, who was talking, Jake was role-playing in some way, shape, or form. When Jake got home from class, he had no notes on the lecture, only notes on ninjas. He <laughs> He would wake me up in the middle of the night to make me look at a character he had just created. He would call me at work to inquire about whether I'd be too tired and lazy to roleplay when I got home. Sometimes I had to tell him to shut up during sex. When we walked down the street, he would sometimes jump back and forth making odd, creepy gestures, wave his hand in front of him, or lag behind me to check out surrounding scenery. He was fighting roleplaying battles in his head. If we stopped on the street to talk to friends, he would pull out an imaginary laser gun and shoot a passerby for a while. Thankfully, it was a... <laughs> God... Thankfully, it was rare that he made the accompanying pew-pew sounds, but it did happen. If he got bored with this, he would interrupt me and my friend mid-conversation in order to start talking about his latest character concepts. Even at dinner with his family, if I looked under the table, I would never fail to see him pulling out an imaginary wakizashi out of its sheath to slay an imaginary demon. Near the end, he had even begun to do it over the table. His family would just glaze over and talk around him while he made threatening gestures at the turkey. His family never said anything to him. The closest they came was feebly joking about how astonishingly fast I was putting back the wine. During one Christmas dinner, Jake began talking rapidly about a wizard he had made with spells that killed babies. His family became increasingly more uncomfortable, yet nobody said anything. Finally, four glasses of wine in me, I managed to blurt out, quote-unquote, darling, you have such stimulating dinner conversation, as I slammed the butt of my fork on the table in a drunken temper tantrum. Still, nobody said anything to him, but it did shut him up and I noticed that his parents always made sure to set a bottle of wine next to my place setting. Jake had a vast collection of books from that singular horrible role-playing company. It took up the entirety of a bookshelf I bought for him as a surprise present, but really as an attempt to get all the role-playing books out of our bed. But Jake could never stand to be physically separated from his books for long. When I would force him to come to bed, he would bring a book, prop it up against my sleeping body, and take notes until I woke up and had to go to work, at which point he would follow me into the bathroom, into the shower, all the way to the door, telling me about the characters he had made while I slept. I learned pretty quickly not to complain about his obsessive reading habits, or I would get subjected to a tirade about how my reading habits, its history and social theory were far worse, and my attempts to discuss the books I read banal and socially desperate. The sheer amount of books he owned, <laughs> man, the sheer amount of books he owned horrified all worthwhile guests who never returned and attracted other creepy gamers like snorting boy stink flies. While at home, Jake always had a book in his lap. It didn't matter if we were watching a movie, eating dinner, or just finished sexing. If he was on the phone with his parents, if he was doing the homework at the same time, his books were an additional appendage. Once I was so foolish as to think there was an easy way to distract him from his books, and I offered him sexual acts I had heard boys were enamored of, brackets, i.e. oral sex. Quote, unquote, Boys don't actually want that all the time, he'd say. Quote, unquote, that's a myth. It's really offensive that you think boys are that simple. Although in all fairness, I should admit that it did work once, though I caught him glancing at his books out of the corner of his eye, and afterwards he picked it right back up and started reading where he left off, mentioning casually, quote, unquote, now I know how much you must hate it when I bug you for sex. <laughs> 
Nothing meant anything to Jake unless he could slap some stats on it. When we met new people we enjoyed, Jake would ask me later, quote unquote, what character class do you think he would be? When I tired of his usually solitary campaigns, Jake would try and stat out all his friends and family members and recreate them in his favorite role-playing setting. One of the sweetest compliments he ever gave me, which illustrates both what he thought was sweet and how rarely he complimented me, was when he statted me out and gave me a moderately high attractiveness rating. Brackets, generalized terms used here to avoid identification of the creepy Googler ex-husband. Quote, unquote, oh, only 14, I said jokingly. Quote, unquote, it's a 14 on paper, he told me, but a 21 in my heart. Then he looked at me like he was waiting for me to melt. Oh, God, I'm creeping out just thinking about it. During one of these periods, he agonized for weeks over what level of intelligence to give his character and mine. Initially, he had given me the higher stat. Then after thinking harder about it, he gave himself just one point over me. Quote, unquote, oh, really? I said, quote, unquote, and which one of us is flunking out of college and which one of us has a 4.0? Quote, unquote, well, which one of us can't compute a tip, huh? Huh? Why don't you try figuring out an equation for once? I let it drop, probably because I am so dumb. Gaming itself was an astonishing horror. Normal people fled in our wake, leaving behind only those who could stand a 24-7 stream of game talk. Any interruption for normal subjects of conversation were quickly assimilated into an idea for a new character. Let me give you an example. Friend, so my grandpa died not too long ago. Me, oh man, I'm sorry. Was she sick? Friend, no, she was just old, you know. We were expecting it. Jake, well, it's got to happen sometime. I mean, you can imagine if you were immortal. It's for the best that we're not. I've thought about it and decided that's not superpower I'd want. Too hard to see the people you love die. Friend, yeah, yeah, I guess. Me, I think he knows how hard that is, Jake. Jake, yeah, definitely not immortality. What superpower would you have if you could have any? Part 2. Being married to the creepiest game ever. To add to his phenomenal qualities, Jake had become a drug addict. (laughs) For a while, I welcomed his new habit. For once, we could talk about something else. Now, I do not say, quote-unquote, addicted lightly. Har har, who gets addicted to that plant? No, really. This addiction ended in several arrests, a terrible hospital stay that racked up over 20K, shady friends with bad connections who hid unpleasant items in our home, and the consistent siphoning of my money to pay for his habit. I had to work full-time, and I went to college full-time so I could support his habits. He'd steal my ATM card to buy drugs and books, would lambast me forever, quote-unquote, skimming his stash, tell me every time I glanced at one of his books that I ought to buy them for him if I was interested in reading them, too. Jake did work at a minimum wage delivery boy job, chosen specifically because it was known as Drug Addict Central. I can't tell you how many times I brought Jake the drugs or book he'd left at home and had to step over his managers and co-workers passed out on the floor. The end result of all this was that our only friends were people who could stand constant gamer talk, cross-sectioned with the kind of people who were as addicted as he was. Thrilling combination. We had such parties. Our gaming sessions were frequently interrupted by the drowning of a whole bottle of whiskey while Jake was in the bathroom. Brackets, he had prudently outlawed drinking during gaming. Gamers tripping on acid and flipping their shit when we went on dungeon crawls. Brackets, quote unquote, oh shit guys, this is bad, real bad, we have to get out of here right now, I'm not dealing with any trolls, oh shit trolls, they have faces like little people. Dealers arriving with 20 people in tow to sell in our living room and massive smoke breaks every half hour. The woozy alternative states made gamers easily distractible, which Jake would take out on me, dressing me down in front of all the players for quote unquote distracting them by making jokes, dressing cute, expressing ideas, discussing my day, doing my homework, and bringing everyone beverages and pieces of cake I had just baked for that gaming session. Once I arrived for a gaming session, everyone was busy making characters, so I went to my room to do more homework, and Jake burst in, red-faced and horrified, quote unquote, we're gaming, dear, he said vilely, quote unquote, it looks like everyone's making characters, quote unquote, well, it's rude for you not to be there. Quote, unquote, but I have a character. I don't need to make one. Quote, unquote, but you need to know what they're making. Stop being so antisocial and get out there. It's like pulling teeth trying to get you to make friends. I once asked him why he yelled at me more than the other gamers, and he responded, 
quote unquote, you're my wife. I expect better out of you. Jake had a favorite character that he quote unquote always returned to. He would recreate him, build him up to king shit of Munchkin Mountain, the kind of character who spent his time fucking goddesses and killing unkillable entities of pure darkness. Then he'd get bored and recreate him again and again ad nauseum. This character was his baby, his lifeblood. I once made what was supposed to be a ridiculous suggestion. He had remade his character so many times and played out all possible scenarios with him. The, obviously, the next step was to make a postmodernist campaign in which this quote unquote wizard brackets generic term crossed the boundary of imagination and met his creator and he and jake could have tea and discuss life and philosophy well he fucking tried no kidding he couldn't get the table he made to work right but let me get to the heart of it one night while we were very drunk after talking about his newest campaign for several hours jake admitted to me that he thought about his wizard so much that sometimes when he jerked off he would call out his name i must have made a horrified face because he quickly stuttered out that it was probably just because his name was so similar to mine brackets it was not and he was used to calling out my name brackets he never had. Jake loved to make his own tables, ones that were twice as complicated as anything his favorite company could put out. He created highly detailed sexual orientation tables with a hundred separate and distinct options. Brackets, you do not want to know what occupied the 100th slot. He created a table that described in detail the sexual compatibility of characters. Again, a hundred options. He created a table that illustrated all the horrifying deformities any given character could acquire. 100 options. If you're clever, you can probably find abbreviated versions of these on his favorite role-playing board. They're quite popular. Our five-year anniversary coincided with weekly gaming. Jake argued that it would be too hard to reschedule, but promised he'd make it a worthwhile day. He demanded that all gamers arrive with an enormous quantity of drugs, which they were to give to the two of us in quote-unquote celebration, and that gaming had to end by 5 p.m. rather than 8 p.m. because he was going to make me a fantastic dinner. At 10 p.m., the last excruciatingly high gamer left, at which point Jake set about making the dinner, which promised to astound and thrill me. I worked at 7 a.m., so by that point, I had passed out. Jake awoke me with a plate of steak and potatoes, lambasted me for falling asleep on our anniversary, which is supposed to be a special day. On our wedding night, Jake brought a role-playing book to read in the hotel room. I had made some overtures to, you know, it's our wedding night and all, and shimmied around a little until he pulled out a notepad and started writing up a character, telling me he just needed to do this one thing and I was bothering him, which was really inconsiderate because he hadn't had time to do this for like a whole day with on account of the wedding. I gave up and took a shower. When I came back, he had finally put down the role-playing book in order to call another woman and ask her to come over and have sex with him. What? What? Skipping over what happened next, which is non-role-playing related, but rest assured, truly creepy, the next day we went to his parents' house to open our presents. All pictures of the event show me holding up pots and pans, towels and appliances, while next to me, Jake reads his role-playing book. At one point, his mother admonished him for not being involved, and his father responded, quote-unquote, we're just glad she married him before she found out what he was really like. Ha ha! Awkward laughter rippled around the room. They repeated this statement with frightening consistency and increasing tones of desperation until the day I divorced him. At one point, Jake had an affair. The woman he had an affair with was a close friend of mine, and he had told her that I was totally cool with him having sex. It was more complicated than that. Brackets, shit always is. But it's still a painful topic, so I'll keep it at that. She was of an inappropriate, brackets, though legal age, and he took terrible advantage of her, treating her much the same way he had treated me. She and I are still friends. Maybe better friends now that we've dated the same horrible man. And she told me later that when they would go and have their affair time, after which he would pull out some books and demand she make a character. She gamely tried to get involved, and though she loved role-playing and still does to this day, she could not care about his terrible books, tables, and campaigns. She has a picture of them together in which he is gesturing vehemently at his books, and she has quite clearly fallen asleep sitting up. Despite her disinterest in his gaming system and her quite clear interest in other systems, for Christmas, he spent a ridiculous amount of money, brackets much more than he spent on me, 
buying her several books she had specifically indicated that she hated because possession of these books would enable her to play in the campaign he was about to run. Part 3. Divorcing the Creepiest Gamer Ever Just before he had worked us so far into debt that we had to move into his parents' basement, I met another man that I thought I might want to be with instead of Jake. I told Jake all of this up front and told him all the things he would need to change for me to want to be with him because I felt like I was losing my mind. He listened quietly, nodded, then told me about his new campaign idea in such a level of detail that it lasted three hours. At the end of that three hours, I reminded him that things needed to change. He agreed and suggested we find a new group of role players so I could have fun with other people, and as he saw it, my inability to make friends, what was made me feel like I was losing my mind and caused me to be so easily swindled by any guy who came along and was quote-unquote nice or quote-unquote listened to what I said. Then he told me about a character he'd just made. I repeated everything I just said, astounded at his blasé reaction, and he nodded again and asked me not to interrupt him while he was talking. Later, I told him I was going to spend a day with this man to talk to him and try to sort out my feelings. He kept right on telling me about his campaign. I asked him over and over again if he was upset, if he wanted to talk, if he was okay with me going to see this guy. Yes, yes, he's just fine. If I would just stop interrupting him. Suddenly, the next day, Jake announced that he had scheduled role-playing for the day I was going to see the guy. I said it sounded great. It would be something for him to do while I went out. He stared at me angrily, then told me he'd scheduled it so I could play with him. He had already made me a character and planned out the entire campaign around me, so I had to come. I told him I still planned on seeing the guy, but guessed I could hang out till then. And he nodded, then told me all about the campaign. Gaming day came. I told Jake I'd be leaving at such and such a time, and he said nothing, but immediately said about derailing the game so that by the time I had to leave, we had just gotten started. I announced I had to leave. I had to meet with a friend. Jake said, but okay, but if you leave, I'm going to hate you. I left anyway. Jake followed me out to the porch and raged, shouting, I'm going to be so mad at you if you leave in the middle of the game. I left, and when I returned home that night, I was prepared to talk about what had happened with the other man, brackets nothing, and when I decided, brackets, to stay with Jake. I never got to tell him, and he never asked. Instead, I was subjected to a long diatribe about how I'd humiliated him in front of his role-playing friends and completely ruined his game. This conversation lasted until about 2 a.m., at which point he gave up trying to quote-unquote talk sense into me and started angrily rolling dice. Have you ever heard angrily rolled dice? It is a sound you will never forget. It's so small and sad. Anyway, you can consider that whole episode a delayed or subliminal reaction to my nearly leaving him, but honestly, I don't think he cared for what was happening or even realized what it meant until it interfered with his game. Telling him I was in love with another man was one thing. Going to see that man on game day was beyond the pale. Miracle of all miracles, after a lifetime of playing the same system, Jake got interested in another role-playing game. He immediately asked me to roll up a character, and when I refused, saying I had spent the last seven years learning his damn horrible system and I wasn't about to learn another, he told me it wasn't fair. He had agreed to go to marriage counseling, and I wouldn't agree to play in his new campaign, and relationships were about compromise, and I was a bitch. I left the house after several hours. When I returned and told him he could not call me names, he looked perplexed and said his calling me a bitch wasn't any worse than me telling him he was always forcing role-playing on me. Because saying quote-unquote, always was a cruel and dehumanizing insult. I insisted it was, in fact, an entirely different thing, and he told me I was dramatizing things, which I always did because I was in emotional turmoil, <laughs> whereas he wasn't angry at all. Finally, to reconcile, he suggested that perhaps if I at least read through one of his books, I could prove to him I was not, in fact, a bitch. After seven years, I told Jake I wanted a divorce on Tuesday and moved out on a Friday. Saturday was gaming day, and you better believe it was still on. Jake proceeded to murder every character in slow, brutal, and deliberate fashion. When one player complained, Jake shocked back that they couldn't handle the game. They postulated that perhaps he couldn't handle his wife leaving him because she didn't love him anymore. There was a long pause, then Jake rolled a d20, and they went on never mentioning it again. When I told Jake I wanted a divorce, he vacillated between hysterical crying and total denial. I encouraged his denial because while hysterical crying, he was prone to do things like stand in the bathroom door sobbing, quote unquote, don't leave me while I brush my teeth, or stand in the window staring bug-eyed at me while I walked to the bus stop, or call me at work and leave messages that consisted of several minutes of crying, then, quote unquote, I promised myself I wouldn't cry. 
Then several minutes more of crying. Or since we're being creepy here, my personal fave was waking up at 3 a.m. to find him standing next to my bed staring at me eerily. Once he saw I was awake, he told me he had been standing there thinking of strangling me. I told him that was a scary and fucked up thing to tell somebody. He told me that was okay because he felt scared and fucked up and I was cruel to hold it against him. But I digress from gaming creepy. During one of his periods of denial, in which he lived in a fantasy world in which we are going to be friends or friends with benefits or just dating, he brightened considerably and said, quote unquote, do you know this will really be best for us because when we're just friends, we can play in my new campaign. The day I left Jake, he called me several hours after I had moved everything out of his parents' basement. I was eating a celebratory dinner with a friend who had helped me move. First, he asked me how moving had gone, then told me about his day, then after a slight pause, began to tell me an idea for a character he had. <laughs> yeah. Then after a slight pause, he began telling me about an idea for a character he had while at his Narcotics Anonymous meeting. I was so conditioned to just nod and say, quote-unquote, uh-huh, at appropriate intervals that I might have continued doing so for quite some time. Luckily, the friend I was with had an obnoxious personal habit of shouting at me whenever I was on the phone. Quote-unquote, tell that asshole you left him because you can never shut up, she yelled. Quote-unquote, tell him nobody wants to hear about his creepy shit. Tell him he's lonely and depressed and fucking weird. Jake heard her yelling and raised his voice until he was yelling character ideas into the phone. I interrupted him and told him, quote-unquote, you know we are divorced. You cannot call me to tell me about role-playing. I believe it finally sunk in for him at that moment when he said, quote unquote, oh, oh, we're, we're really broken up, aren't we? You may consider this a story of the triumph of the human spirit over enormous odds, because I still like role-playing. Well, that was, well, that was a long story. And to be clear, it is revealed in later discussions in the thread that the game that this particular person was addicted to or obsessed with is something called Palladium Rifts or something like that, or Palladium slash rifts, I don't know. But uh, apparently, seems like a fun game. Anyway, I apologize for the length of that story. But I will finish off with just a few shorter ones from the RPG.net thread in the creepiest gamers I ever gamed with to, to continue. And AB3 ads. From personal experience, I would be willing to bet that this story was true. Remember, remember, I cherry-picked the funny for the stories I tell, but also have run into some people that were just... Gah! For example, I knew a fella that role-played with his young stepkids at an early age. It was pretty much their only interaction with him, and all they did when his wife was at work. He had them playing TMNT, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, style shapeshifter characters as themselves. As you can imagine, things started to go badly because the kids began to have problems understanding that they were not really their game characters. I also had a player at the gaming table, brackets, not one of my regulars, suggest in the middle of a D&D game, sometime instead of gaming we should go out and rape someone. Yes, he truly suggested this. He apparently had been planning it in his mind for some time. He had a spot picked out and a plan of action. I didn't hang around with him much after that. I think he ended up joining the Navy. BTW, this is not a slam on the hobby in general. Yet, you get any group of people in a hobby together and you will find that most are average. It's just the dead fish that rise to the top. Ever read Harlan Ellison's essay about sci-fi fandom called, quote-unquote, exogenesis? Chilling stuff. And Scourge108 writes, I had a remarkably similar marriage, Squeaky, so I have some idea of what you mean. It's hard to explain why it lasted so long. What was wrong with me? It was all the same reasons. Colon, I didn't know anybody else and had nowhere better to go. I wondered if I could actually expect any better after being mistreated previously. I didn't know any better, being young and inexperienced. I still feel ashamed that it took me so long to get out when I think about it. But the important thing is that you did get out. You did wake up and do something about it, and that's what counts. So let's see, a creepy gamer who wasn't my wife. I was at an OWOD LARP once. 
with some very eager player who was joyfully demanding that random people help him decide how to make himself into a character. He said he was making himself into a werewolf character. So he was asking complete strangers to describe what traits they thought he should slash did have. People asked what tribe he would be playing, and he'd say, quote-unquote, Bonar, of course, I'm playing me as a mutt. I watched him go through this routine with several people before he got to me and asked me what kind of character traits he would have as a character. Quote-unquote, I don't know, dude, I said. I don't know you. One of my friends then came in and asked him some questions to try to help him, brackets, including what tribe he was. Apparently, my friend hadn't heard him give this routine twice before, and I got to hear it a third time. Then my friend made the mistake of mentioning merits and flaws. He started naming off some of the more common ones, and the NAR would leap on some of them as talking points about disturbing issues. It turned into this guy making all sorts of personal confessions about himself to see what kind of points he could wrangle out of it. Quote-unquote, how many points is being manic-depressive? Suicidal thoughts? Does being bisexual get you any extra points? Obsession flaw? Eh, I know I do fall in love too easily. I slowly started backing away before he asked about a quote-unquote hear voices telling me to kill everyone here flaw. I still have no idea why my friend stood there and talked to him for so long. I can only assume it was some combination of mind-altering substance and morbid curiosity. But there was really something very creepy and uncomfortable about a complete stranger making all these deep, dark personal confessions in such a gleeful manner. I really, really hope he understood it was all supposed to be a game, but I didn't stay long enough to find out. And Shalvaez adds, Well, in August 1998, I had started dating my future wife, and she had come down to Iowa City every weekend from Minneapolis to see me. Well, after about five months of that, I moved up to Minneapolis to be with her for about a month until my health started sucking ass, and we moved back down to IC. Well, within a week, I started hearing complaints from my old LARPing buds about this guy who had sexually assaulted three of our female LARPers, including including the one my wife and I were staying with. And then I found out this motherfucker was staying with my ex-GF. I get the word out to this guy that I'm coming after him, and he proceeds to leave my ex-GF's place and find another crash pad. In the midst of this, he tells a friend of mine, quote-unquote, I can handle him. I have 13 years of jiu-jitsu under my belt, and which my friend, brackets, who's an old hippie pacifist, says, quote-unquote, I doubt you can handle Nick because there's nothing you can do to hurt him. Anyhow, I go to my ex-GF's place in which he has left his personal belongings, including his shampoo and conditioner, brackets, which I urinated in, and burnt the rest. <laughs> Heh. Brackets, I out-creeped this creep. Two days afterwards, I see this guy trying to shack up with this girl who I know who has some severe emotional disorder and possibly schizophrenic. I let this girl's friends know what kind of rapist scumfuck he is and from then on completely screwed his every opportunity to shack up with another trusting female and basically ran him out of town. Oh, this is on topic because... <laughs> oh, this is on topic because he had raped like three or four women who were gaming in the vampire LARP. Frowny face emoticon. Wish I had gotten a hold of him when there were no witnesses. And DJ Glass adds, Perhaps more disgusting than creepy. I once gamed with a guy for a couple of sessions. He seemed alright. He had a strange obsession with evil halflings, but that was only mildly creepy. Then one night he excused himself from the table and went to the bathroom. We stopped and waited for him to return. About five minutes later he walks back downstairs, gathers his things, and walks out the door. Didn't say a word. We just start playing again until the GM, brackets, and owner of the house has to take a pit stop as well. Not two seconds after he goes upstairs, he starts yelling for us to go up there. There was shit everywhere. The floor, the back of the toilet, ceiling, across the bathroom, on the front of the sink, everywhere. It couldn't have been an accident. I mean, the ceiling? We never saw or heard from that guy who did it again. And Nunboy writes, Consider this an entry that fits the bill of the creepiest gamer. 
But more succinctly, it is a story of the most pathetic gamer, as referenced in this thread. As has been mentioned repeatedly, AWOD LARP is often the bearer of the highest creepy gamer quotient. I'll save the stories of Trashcan the Amazing Narcoleptic, Asian Hitler, Front Butt, and the Pederast for another time. Today I bring you the encapsulated life story of Froggy. It was the late 90s and I was 16 and a serious LARPer. At the time, many of my Saturday nights were spent in some semi-public space or another, barely dodging curfew laws and tossing around the bomb. At the time, the games were large and the players varied, but few stood out as much as a man that looked like the bastard love child of John Lovitz and Nathan Lane called Froggy, due to his Harvey Firestein-like voice. Froggy's first bit of infamy came when his two-foppish Toreador, brackets, surprise, surprise, was whammied by the presence power, quote-unquote, love, causing him to fall head over heels for a ghastly Nosferatu and utter the line, quote-unquote, Nosferatu, ooh-la-la. As he was pleasant enough and had a good will to play through such an embarrassing situation, I struck up a chat with Froggy after a game, during which I let slip that I was a member of Demolay, a junior Masonic order named after the last Grandmaster of the Knights Templar. Froggy was now Twitterpated, constantly. My membership was fawned over and told in excruciating detail about the opera he was writing about a strong woman who, masking her gender, became a member of the Knights Templar. As annoying as the ceaseless updates and queries were, my experience is trivial compared to those who, on a long and cramped car ride from L.A. to San Diego, a compact late 80s auto containing a driver and four passengers, two of which were well over six feet and a three-hour drive. While the inhabitants of the cramped car tried to maintain a modicum of physical space, Froggy let loose with a life story that only served to make the car seem even smaller. The highlights of which was the story of how he had lost his virginity, which in summation was, quote-unquote, she was a prostitute. Well, not a real prostitute. She had sex for ElfQuest books. At the end, Froggy's attendance at games dwindled until finally he was gone. Frequent reports of him being cited doing karate in the park his mother were made. But otherwise, that was the end of our story. A few weeks later, news broke. Years after it had been vanished from the news, from nowhere and with no previous signs, Froggy died of the flesh-eating bacteria, leaving all of us shocked and partially bemused at the sheer ridiculousness of the situation. In retrospect, maybe this is the most tradicripathetic gamer ever. And oh, for the flesh ads, I'd love to hear the rest of these. So Nunboy replies... Sig away, and at your request, here's a sampling of my LARPing rogues gallery, the amazing narcoleptic Asian Hitler. Let's call him Tana, as using an acronym for my cruelly applied moniker is just more convenient than making up a name. Tana didn't have much personality. He had a short, cropped $6 haircut, a Hitler mustache, and every character he played, from stereotypical Arab assassin, Asimite, to Bruja street tough, were honorable and carried a cantana. Tana served as the role as the rice in the meal, filling things up, taking up space, and normally doing so in an unobtrusive manner, occasionally serving as a minor plot point when his honor or katana got him into trouble. However, the awesomeness of Tana really shined before games. You see, Tana wasn't really narcoleptic. Instead, he had an amazing power to sleep anywhere, under any circumstance. Walking into whatever outdoor venue we had, you would often see Tana curled up on the floor, character book readily placed in his trench coat pocket, brackets, a coat that he wore rather than using a makeshift pillow, softly snoring through his Fuhrer stash. Years later, I would see Tana at a fetish-themed industrial-slash-goth club, trench coat traded in for a flame-patterned button-down, where he proceeded not to sleep, but rather to stand agape for four hours watching the stage show. Front butt on the pederast, next post. <laughs> okay. And Captain Reynolds 6 writes, I mentioned this guy in another thread, brackets, quote unquote, things so dumb 
we should have beaten players senseless. But I think he belongs here too, brackets. Though he may be more closeted homophobic than creepy, some of the actions he undertook were a bit shudderworthy. I thought I'd found a good D&D group a few months ago. Somebody a game with, brackets in a larger group, a Camarilla white wolf LARP group actually, told me about his drow character, which he said was a cross between Dr. Cox, brackets from Scrubs, and Ash from Evil Dead. I thought, quote unquote, I gotta see this, and joined. What I got instead, apparently there's another character in the group, played by the GM, brackets a human wizard, who's really arrogant. So this guy's drow decides to rid him of that arrogance. Apparently, he felt the best way to rid the wizard of that arrogance is to get him drunk on fey wine and have him fuck his cat while under the wine's effects. But that was the last game, which I wasn't there for. Here's what happened in the one, brackets, and I've resolved only, game I played with this guy. Brackets FYI, my character is a neutral good cleric of Pelor, an undead hunter. He's also a wood elf. The drow hates wood elves because he's half drow, half wood elf, and the wood elves rejected him for his half-breed heritage. First, here's what he does to my character, colon. Once he sees him from outside the window, brackets, my character remains blissfully unaware. The half-drow decides to get out his disguise kit, make himself look like my character, brackets, even though I'm about half a foot taller than the half-drow, and to my knowledge, they don't have platform shoes in D&D, and then starts prancing around town acting like a stereotypical gay guy, brackets, even speaking with a stereotypical inflection and lisp to quote-unquote destroy his reputation, as the player put it. But what he did to the wizard, yeesh, he got him drunk on Feywine again, brackets forcing it down his throat, left him tied to a bed in an inn room completely naked, and then told a flamboyish, <laughs> and then told a flamboyantly gay town guard to go up to that room and have fun, all to rid the wizard of his arrogance. And now you know why I describe his character, brackets, and the player really, as quote-unquote chaotic insane with a touch of chaotic homophobic. Brackets, even though the player claims he isn't homophobic, his actions state otherwise to me. I decided I wasn't going back to that group. I want to find a D&D group so badly, but I'm not lowering myself to playing with someone like that. And finally, eschatonic ads. Role-playing is the ultimate escapist hobby. If you can't stand who you are, you can pretend to be someone else, someone beautiful and sexy and powerful, and there are people who go along with it, at least while they're playing the game too. Then the game session ends, and you're back to being someone you can't stand in a life you can't stand. Solution? Never let the game end. Write about your character. Talk endlessly about your character. Jerk off to your character. Whatever. Because your character is awesome and you are not. It's tragic. I've seen it too many times. In fact, in junior high, it was me. But there are lots of people like this. Lots of creepy gamers who can't band together and wallow in their characters and their creepiness and try to ignore real life as much as they can. How do you get people to let go of their characters and work on their real lives? Is it an addiction? Do you feel really good when you're wallowing in fantasy and can't stop thinking about it even when you aren't? I don't know. But the real creepy gamers I've encountered, brackets, and once or twice had the horrid misfortune of gaming with, seem to have this in common. The bad hygiene, the social retardation, the weight problems have all been symptoms. But the cause was IMHO not being able to face their lives, entrenching themselves in the fantasy world, and holding on to it with everything they've got. Well, what did you think about that? I know it was a little less of a standard episode of Lou Reed's. I don't know why I found that lady's story so intriguing, but... The idea that after knowing someone so very long that they would stay with such an incredible lame is kind of hard to believe. And then still stay in the role-playing community. I can't say I fully understand. 
I will say that when I was in fourth grade, I got my first Dungeons and Dragons box set from a friend for a birthday and it was a like one of my favorite birthdays like everyone played there were a couple of guys who were like already at in fourth grade like Ugh, this is gay but um i really loved it and then i had like i was like dying to play it more and literally no one else wanted to ever play again after that they all had a great time they just were not into it and i spent a lot of money on buying that stuff and never got into it. And then the other problem was that when I would go places where people were playing, and this has been a problem with all hobbies that I've enjoyed throughout my life, is when I am exposed to the other people who are playing these things, I'm usually like, oh, I don't want to hang out with these people. Not to say there aren't a lot of lovely people playing role-playing, but in my experience, it was usually, yeah, guys who I just did not want to hang out with. Because I'm pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, that goes double for like when I got into paintball. Oh boy, what a bunch of friendly fellows. <laughs> anyway, uh, I hope you enjoyed it, and I apologize for the wait. Life is busy. The next episode is already sort of lined up, and so I'm going through this forum, and I will be recording it soon. Uh, and I hope you guys have been enjoying all the magnet envelope porn. I sent out the most magnets I've ever sent out in that small window where I started posting those pictures. And I've gotten a lot of pictures, some strange ones, back of the magnets in their new homes to the lady who sent me the magnet next to a, uh, I believe it's a, pa- a painting of her as a topless centaur. Well done, well done. That is a, a definite first. But I didn't get an explanation as to whether or not she painted it or if it was uh, a portrait that someone did of her. A very important distinction. In other news, um, you know, I put out that like, request for people to write reviews of Lou Reed's for iTunes, and I cannot believe it, stu- it has stuck at 199 reviews, and it kind of vacillates when from day to day from 198 to 199, but will never go over 200. I don't quite understand what the deal is. I could go in there and write a review with my son's iTunes account. I just wonder if there's some sort of iTunes conspiracy trying to keep me down. What doesn't Apple want you to know? Anyway, if you haven't written, a re- if you've never written a review, please take the time to go to iTunes and rate the show. Any star rating would count, so that would be great. And of course, I want to thank everyone for listening and for all the people who chime in on the Facebook pages, if they ever see them, depending on what random algorithm Facebook chooses. Who of the 800 plus people who have liked the Lurie's Facebook page actually see the posts? It varies between 150 and 200. Who knows why? Thanks for everybody who who likes the posts and participates in the chats. I always find it rewarding to read what you guys write in there. All right, so that's going to do it. I still have magnets. Again, if you want magnets, Lou Reads at Gmail, and I'm, send me your home address, and um, I will send you magnets. I believe I've sent out over, if not 100 or probably over 100 magnets now, and I have yet to actually murder anyone who's gotten a magnet. So uh, the odds are in your favor, really. Take the chance. And uh, I want to thank the people at Awesome Talk TV, the live on the internet video interview I did this last Tuesday. It was a lot of fun and very silly. I hope they will let me know when the episode is available for people to watch on YouTube, and I hope they'll have me back because it was fun. And if you want to have me on your talk show or podcast, I'm open to it. Let me know. All right, I'm not going to waste any more of your time. If you listen this far, good for you. My name's Lou. This has been Lou Reads the Internet for You. Creepy Gamer. 
edition. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye.